When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Your daily Premier League podcast. Goals galore for Giroud. Chelsea may have already qualified for the Champions League last 16, but they turned on the style in Seville. Four from the Frenchman. Does that put him in the frame for Frank Lampard's starting eleven against Leeds United at the weekend? No such success, though, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. His Manchester United side losing 3-1 to PSG, leaving qualification for the knockout stages still hanging in the balance. Were Manchester United unlucky last night, or was it poor game management after Fred saw red? Plus, we'll solve the conundrum of your FPL sides with Matt Dyson from the Game Week podcast. With Newcastle against Aston Villa called off, where do you go next to fill your squad? Plus, we'll be talking to West Brom fan Connor from West Brom Fan TV about the baggage chances of staying up this season. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. My name's Niall. Alongside me to discuss all the action from last night's Champions League games today, we've got Callum Tyler for a second appearance of the season. How are you doing, Callum? I'm good. I'm good. It's very cold this morning, but I'm ready to go. It is cold. It is very cold. But I mean, I like that. I like when the yellow footballs come out, JP. It means we're really <laughs> getting into the into the guts of the season. Oh, yes. Long John's thermals, little uh, cute headbands that keep your ears warm. Aren't footballers tough today? <laughs> That's the voice of John Paul Hughes. will also be joining us on today's show. Don't forget, you can hit subscribe to the podcast and that way you won't ever miss another episode of the show again. New podcasts every single day of the Premier League season. And that includes the festive period so if you can't go a couple of days without your Premier League fix make sure you do hit that subscribe button here on Football Social Daily. Right the first place we're going to start is in Spain although it's probably just as cold as it is here in the UK. Of course Chelsea played against Seville last night in the Champions League group stages. A chance for them to qualify for the last 16 well they'd already qualified before the game so a chance for them to show what they could really do and Olivier Giroud did just that. JP, we were talking before we hit record on the podcast about how we're both big fans of Olivier Giroud and even when he's out of the side for a prolonged period of time, like two, three weeks at a time, sometimes even a month at a time, when he comes back in, he's always hot, isn't he? Yeah, excellent. I, I was very pleased for him last night. I, I think one of the the biggest compliments 
you could paint as you do is, is when you hear uh, his manager and, and, and teammates talk about him, the, the kind of character he is, the attitude he displays, the way he commits himself, uh, the way he trains every single day. He, you know, we know that he has recently voiced uh, uh, discontent at, at not playing as much as, uh, as as he wishes because of his, his ambitions with France. Um, but at 34 years old, he, I was so impressed with him last night. He looks to be, have come into to this, you know, th- this maturity of a, of a of a really classic number nine, and the finishing, the confidence he displayed last night was top draw. I thought it was brilliant, and I was really, really pleased for him. You can tell someone's confidence as a striker, Callum, by the way they step up to take a penalty. And it was his fourth goal of the night. He had already scored a hat trick, but he just absolutely buried that penalty. And it's always difficult I think to go uh, near side to go across your own body and try and whip it into the top corner but he just stood there and he cracked it in it couldn't have been any more top corner and that is a sign of confidence and I think a confident Olivier Giroud could be a really dangerous weapon for Chelsea moving forward yeah absolutely even if he's not you know starting every game it's funny there's a lot of conversation about Giroud and how in some quarters maybe he's underrated but I also feel that we have this conversation so often that he's yeah. actually so underrated he's actually rated um I think like <laughs> you, you, you talk about the penalty there but I think the the three goals that preceded it each one of them was just it was just such a deft touch it was almost like he didn't put mm. he didn't put any more on the ball than he needed to and I think that speaks to to his maturity and professionalism as, as JP says but also just the just he's such a technically gifted player and they were just Mm. so satisfying to watch and I think you know you talk about being a weapon for Chelsea they are absolutely spoiled for choice with attacking talent but the season's long there's going to be so many games and you know even if he doesn't start for Leeds I'm sure he's going to you know come up in the Premier League with one of these performances very soon. 100% agree with that. We spoke on yesterday's show about whether Frank Lampard might rotate things considering that Chelsea have already qualified for the knockout stages of the Champions League. And he did rotate things, but you still look at the side that he played, Hakim Ziyech and Callum Hudson-Odoi and Christian Pulisic, rather than the likes of Werner and Havertz. I mean, the strength in depth certainly looks like it's there. I mean, they're going to need that, JP, as Callum says, with the Christmas schedule coming up and plenty of games around that time and if they want to compete for the title they're going to need to use that squad depth and that's a challenge that Lampard's going to have to to come across well I, I think so and I think they look well equipped for it um if you if you think think about the four goals that Giroud scored last night they weren't Lionel Messi goals he wasn't picking the ball up in the halfway line skipping by four or five people and slamming the ball into the net so so what I found if you were a Chelsea supporter, it'd be very encouraging is the way that the rest of the support cast, if you want to call them that, understood how to play in the system. They understood how to play to the strengths of that centre-forward because he is, whilst they've got a lot of talent there, each of those strikers that, that Chelsea have has, has different qualities and is better suited to a different style. Uh, they seem to adapt brilliantly to the changes in the team and knowing exactly how to play to the to the focal point of that attack. So, um, I mean, Glenn Hoddle at one point last night had them already in the semi-final. I think that's getting a bit carried away. <laughs> um, as always, uh, typically overconfident from, from Glenn Hoddle. Um, nobody wins anything with, with good uh, form early season. But if you are giving your so many members of your squad uh, so much football and they're coming in and they're doing the business, you've got to begin at that winter period very confident. Well, Callum mentioned the Leeds game. Do you think that, you know, that gives Frank Lampard something to scratch his head over? Do you think that maybe he might have even played himself into a starting berth against Leeds? Or do you think Timo Werner will still take that spot? Because he couldn't have done any more last night, Giroud, both for his domestic and international ambitions. 
I, I think so. I mean, they <laughs> talk about uh, sending messages um, and keeping big modern day football squads happy. Multi millionaires who don't play all the time. It's not the way it used to be. They maybe don't get as much football as they, as they want. And the, very often these guys are first choice with their country and not necessarily first choice with their club. So going into the Leeds game at the weekend, um, which I'm looking forward to, I think it'll be an excellent game. I th- uh, you know, if you take Giroud out of the squad after scoring four goals, unless he proves fatigued and tired, it doesn't send a very good message to the rest of the squad that you're trying to keep happy. So I think he's got to stay in. I think as well, Didier Deschamps, the France manager, said that Giroud needs to change his situation, to use a Deschamps quote. Um, I mean, what more can you do in changing your situation if you're not leaving the club than when you play to score four goals in the Champions League? Certainly, I think the title is still a little bit out of reach for me, in my opinion. I don't know what you think, Callum, because Jim on the podcast pretty much from day one of the season has tipped Chelsea to be surprise title winners this season. I still feel for some reason that there's there's a little bit missing, whether that's a year's experience of these new players to bed into the Premier League or a little bit of nastiness. I'm not sure what it is, but it feels that Chelsea are equipped enough to go the distance, but they're not quite going to do it. I don't know what that is personally within me that makes me feel that, but I wonder if you felt similar. Well, if you say that Chelsea aren't going to go the distance, then I think you sort of have to look around them and wonder who else is. And it's also... It's also very strange, but I guess this is the world that we live in, to, to call Chelsea the surprise title winners when they've spent, you know, by far the most money. And they've mm. just kind of, it's funny when the champ, uh, when the transfer window was going, they sort of uh, went around and just hoovered up all the talent that we'd been watching in the Bundesliga when that was the only football on. And it was like, oh yeah, we'll have Havertz and we'll have Werner and we'll have the rest <laughs> of them. And I just think like, yeah, they've kind of built a squad that's that's definitely capable. It's it's like you say, it's it's the experience, it's the kind of intangible stuff that goes with winning a title. But if there was ever a season to do it, it looks like it might be this season. One last thing um, on Giroud, it's you know, it's it's a very it's something that they were talking about on BT Sport, where you know, are Deschamps and Lampard going to work together to try and get him in that France squad? He's only seven goals off Thierry Henry from being you know France's top scorer ever mm. and from what I took from what you know Glenn Hoddle and Joe Cole were saying there's a plan in place and I think you know Lampard's a smart guy he he's been in squads like this before and and I'm I'm pretty confident from their point of view that they'll they'll make that work um for both Chelsea and France well, a glorious night for Olivier Giroud. Four goals in the Champions League against Sevilla in the group stages. Chelsea already through to the last 16, but certainly a great confidence booster heading into that Premier League game against Leeds at the weekend. Maybe we'll see the big Frenchman start up front for Frank Lampard in that one. Who knows? Of course, a full preview of the weekend's Premier League action coming on Saturday morning for you. So make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast and that way you'll be notified as soon as the preview show is ready. Not quite the same story at Old Trafford last night. Manchester United ended up losing their game in the Champions League group stages against PSG, which means that qualification is still hanging in the balance, far from sorted for Manchester United. It's starting to feel now that that loss to Istanbul, Bashak Shahir, um, back in October at the start of November, I think, really might come back to bite them because the last game against RB Leipzig is not going to be easy to try and secure qualification, particularly considering Leipzig won last night as well. So did PSG against United, although... Solskjaer's side, JP, did create some good openings. I'm thinking about Cavani hitting the crossbar. Martial had a couple of gilt-edged chances which he couldn't tuck away. So do you think that United were unlucky on the night or was it a good enough to display to, to get anything from the game? I think if you look at it in the cold light of day, 
last night was almost Man United, a microcosm of Man United season in one match. Um, there was times they were unlucky. There was times they were dreadfully wasteful. There was times they were stupid. Uh, there were times they looked really, really good um, mm. and exciting. And then there was the what appeared to me at the time, I couldn't believe that the, the, the crazy managerial decision when Fred comes back out for the second half. Um, yeah. As soon as that happened, uh, I, I was actually talking to him, kind of texting my dad during the game, we were chatting about it, and as soon as Fred came back out for the second half, we both said it, he's gone, he won't see the game out. Um, and that was, to me, that was that, that was naivety, it was neglectful, mm. and ultimately cost him the game. So yes, there were moments they were unlucky, but they cost themselves last night. You have to say, JP, that looks like poor game management from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I mean, we talk about Fred's red card. It was for two yellows, but the first yellow he got in the first half could easily have been a red card in itself. I think if that was a Premier League game and it wasn't being refereed by uh, a Serie A referee, I think that Fred would have been sent off. He kind of like a one of those pseudo headbutts, yeah. so to speak, where he's kind of pushing it into the head of his um, opponent. Um, but when he came out for the second half, particularly when PSG have got skillful players like Neymar and Mbappe who could draw a foul from you at the drop of a hat, I mean, it's always risky. Crazy. I, I, I honestly couldn't believe it. It was it, it was the kind of decision that, you know, even if a, if an amateur or semi-pro team um, did it, you would be calling the manager naive. To, to happen at Manchester United in the Champions League was just, I, I, I honestly couldn't believe it. And, and you know that I've defended Solskjaer a few times on this podcast. I think what happened last night is indefensible. It was, it was, it was, it was criminally naive uh, to, to send him back out for that second half. As you quite rightly say, you know that Neymar and, and, and his pals will pretty much do anything. They've t- they, they probably couldn't believe when they saw Fred come out for the second half. And uh, mm. and they didn't even need to do that much to target him. He, was, he, he seemed determined to get himself sent off. With, and yes, it was unlucky. I thought he did get his foot in the ball uh, for the one that, that got him his second yellow. Uh, but that first one was just so stupid. Another thing I would like to see one day, though, he does put his head in, he does do the flick, it is a red card. Uh, but I would also like to see the players who go to ground and stay on the ground when things like that happen mm. pick up a booking too because yeah. that's as much cheating as anything else. I'd like to agree with you on that one, I think, where if a player does make a real meal of it to the point where it is simulation, now there is mm. contact, but if you're simulating the contact more than it actually is, maybe that should warrant a yellow card. Anyway, that's a discussion for another day. In terms of Manchester United... Uh, Callum still work to do for them and that final group game against RB Leipzig is going to be a nail-biter for them yeah I mean this group has probably been the most interesting and exciting of of the Champions League Um, and in terms of a a late group stage game this had everything and it was actually a really enjoyable watch and I think the thing about Manchester United you know you talk about whether they were unlucky I think they were they were indisciplined and it wasn't just Fred you know McTominay was playing with fire a bunch of times he was kind of wrestling Neymar to the floor and they were sort of you know indisciplined in defense and even not putting away those chances that is kind of a lack of Mm. discipline as well and I think that's that's something I would be very worried about if I was a Man United fan but at the same time you know that PSG side they are they are extremely difficult to play against you know because of this I wouldn't call it cheating I would call it gamesmanship but then at the same time they can hit you on the break with Mbappe and Neymar and you know they were they were at their most PSG last night I would say Gamesmanship is definitely the phrase uh, for cheating used by a cheat, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> I know your game, and I, and I like how you had the audacity to say that uh, Man United losing three one at home in the Champions League was an enjoyable watch for a City fan. Yeah, uh, right, mischievous thing. 
he's the sort of bloke that when he plays darts down the pub and he misses the double he quickly runs up to the board and takes it out and hopes no one notices <laughs> that's called gamesmanship um, certainly I think for Manchester United a lot of fans on social media and I know social media isn't a great barometer of the general feeling of football supporters that support a club um, that Martial was too wasteful and I think we can all agree that he was because some really good chances against a side like PSG you got to take them because they don't come along too often do you think Martial do you think he does enough up front Callum for Manchester United when he when he does get the the nod to play uh, in one of those forward positions under Solskjaer do you think he's doing enough when he's getting the chance to play is he has he shown enough in the five years he's been a Manchester United player because there's undoubtedly talent there it's there. I mean, everyone's seen it in fits and starts, but perhaps not consistently enough. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised that he starts as much as he does. And actually, you say five years, that, that kind of blows my mind a wee bit that he's been there that long and, and sort of allowed to have these bouts of underperforming to the level that he does. He was very wasteful last night. I have, you know, friends that do support Manchester United and, you know, they don't really understand why he keeps getting the chance. You just hope that, that I mean, it also, it comes down to, you know, who who do you put in instead of him? And I think, you know, Greenwood is, is still progressing. Rashford plays a lot of games. They've got Cavani now. He needs to start firing. Um, and you just hope that, that, you know, a combination of those three can turn the pressure up on Martial a bit because they need to. Well, you talk about Cavani and JP. It's an experienced player that has come into Manchester United against this former club, hit the crossbar last night. I mean, even if it adds a little extra element of competition to the forward line of Manchester United, you'd think it would benefit them in the long run. I like the look of that partnership. I think that if Cavani can get uh, some consistent game time um, and settle in with Rashford, I like the look of that. I, I, to me, that that has more promise. And, and I'm like Callum, I can't believe when you just told us there, Martial's been at Manchester United five years. Um, to me, he still looks the same player that he was the day he arrived. And you thought, mm, he could be all right. And, uh, and, and, and and just hasn't fulfilled, especially with five years to bed in. So for me, if I was uh, if I was uh, choosing that United team, I would certainly be looking to build a, a partnership in the classic sense. It's a wee bit like we talked about Giroud earlier on with uh, the, the experience, ability um, of, of Cavani and uh, and Rashford um, being allowed to play off him. Uh, to me, that looks like a much more exciting partnership. Do you think Manchester United will qualify, JP? It's a tough game against RB Leipzig. I mean, they absolutely smashed them at Old Trafford, but certainly it feels like momentum is such a big thing in the Champions League. It really is. Um, and, and, and these Champions League games seem to be coming on really thick and fast, you know, there, there's not much time between them. So if you asked me to, if I had to play a bet on it right now, I'd bet that they wouldn't go through. Callum, what are you thinking? I think, uh, I think Leipzig are going to do one on them, to be honest. <laughs> Pretty confident in that. <laughs> Return the favour by multiple goals like the first game? or Yeah, absolutely. I mean, United looked kind of rattled last night. And I think, you know, um, I don't know who they've got at the weekend, but it, it's not going to be long until that game comes around. And I I don't, I wouldn't have faith in, in Solskjaer to, you know, put that right. No, I think last night as well, if you consider, I mean, you also need to factor in who they played. Um, for the first 15 minutes last night, I thought it was going to be an annihilation. PSG looked so good. Mbappe was running like a freight train. Uh, Neymar just—you could tell right from the off—and there's something about Neymar um, that when uh, when somebody's a kick at him, he gets hurt. And, and, and I know this because he's done it to Celtic so many times that it just seems to make him even angrier. And he then just starts to pull out even more tricks and destroy teams. <laughs> it happened um, with uh, McTominay. There was a space of about a minute where McTominay yeah. stamped on his leg, pulled his shirt, and then just shoved them over at one point. <laughs> Aye, and then before you know it, he pulls out the tricks. And, yeah. and, and you know there aren't very many players anywhere in the world who could have done 
done to United and exposed them last night the way that he did. And and whilst he's, you know, we all know what people think about him. I think a quote of the day went to my dad um, at the end of the game. He texted me beforehand saying, "Hope United win." Can he stand Neymar? And at the end of the game, he texts me <laughs> a quote that the, the great Scottish uh, uh, sports writer Hugh McIlvanny would have been proud of. What a brilliant week. I think I'd agree with you there. Do you think we'll ever see him in the Premier League, JP? Do you think that that moment's passed just because of the mammoth transfer fee that took him to PSG in the first place? Yeah, I think that's I think that's passed. I think that if that was going to happen, it would already have happened by now. Otherwise, what happens is you end up getting him at the tail end of his career um, when you're not seeing the real Neymar. So I think that's passed. But my God, you know, like like a few others. If he did come here, I think he would he, he would just absolutely light the place up. And everybody mm. loves that. You know, say a story is only as good as its villain. Well, if you want a good story, you've got a great villain in Neymar. Yeah. I think uh, I think an aging Neymar is a, like the definitive West Ham or Newcastle signing. They'll get him at like <laughs> 35. JJ Akocha vibes I'm getting, pulling <laughs> yeah, out absolutely. all the tricks. Um, <laughs> we'll find out whether Manchester United can qualify for the last 16 next Tuesday as they travel to Germany to take on Leipzig in the Champions League group stages. That's an eight o'clock kickoff. But their game at the weekend, actually, incidentally, is West Ham away. West Ham currently fifth in the Premier League. And then, of course, uh, next weekend, not the weekend coming up, but the one after, 12th of December, it's the Manchester Derby, Callum. So I'm sure you'll be looking forward to that one as well, uh, moving forward. So that's it for the first part of Football Social Daily. Callum and JP are going to leave us now. Cheers, gents. Cheers, lads. Thank you very much. Don't forget to make sure you hit subscribe and more Premier League chat, of course, throughout the course of the week. But after this break, we're going to talk about Fantasy Premier League. FPL with Matt Dyson from the Game Week podcast. Now Newcastle versus Aston Villa has been called off due to COVID cases. What are you going to do about the Villa players in your side? Matt's got all the answers for you next after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It's Fantasy Premier League time now. And joining us to share the wisdom, to share the knowledge, is uh, one of the greatest FPL managers I've ever met in my life. (laughs) Absolute Radio's Matt Dyson. And of course, co-host of the Game Week podcast. How are you, Matt? Yes, I'm all right. I mean, I, I was having a great November. I was actually top of the game week manager of the month league for November, which never happens. I never actually did that well, despite the great billing I got from you just then. Is there a prize uh, for that, by the way? Um, <laughs> like no, a little not trophy podcast, that goes around. No. Not on a cheapo podcast. No, there's not. <laughs> you can at least uh, get a Kinder Bueno or something. Yeah, for finishing no, top. no. Oh, we did. I think we maybe gave out one of those page three hundred two mugs. Remember, you know those um, CFAX Sport page. <laughs> oh, yeah, too, yeah, yeah. You're too young to remember the girls. No, on, the I remember CFAX. I remember I really? CFAX fondly. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you can get mugs with your favourite score lines on them. They're really nice mugs. So we used to give away them, uh, but we haven't done that in a while. We should sort that out. Actually, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been doing I've really well. Hit you in the pocket there, haven't I? Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> no, we had, uh, we did, we've been doing really, I'd been doing really well. My team, Dynamo Dyson, have been doing really well. But then the last week, I had an absolute shocker. I just below average 35 points. It's just been Ooh. an absolute nightmare. If I'm the one telling you that's not a good know. points return, I then know. it must be pretty bad. <laughs> it's been really, really awful. I was like, I was in the top. I was like nine hundredth in the world a couple of weeks ago. Oh my god! I'm not god. even making it up. Out of the seven million odd who played, breached this game. the top K. Yeah, exactly. It was, unbe- it was unbelievable. But now I've dropped like a stone because 
I don't know what went wrong. I've just got twos all over my team. I had what Ollie Watkins and his penalty miss and his mm. disallowed goal. Yeah. I, I, like an idiot, I was, I was thinking I should have get rid of Mane or captain him, and I went the other way, so I captained him instead. <laughs> and then, he, but then he, and then he didn't start. But then he had a, he came on and had a disallowed goal. Yeah, I should have captained Fernandez as I had done the whole week leading up to it. But like mm. an idiot, I didn't captain him, so that would have saved me. I had the Leeds keeper who did very well. That must Messier. Yeah. Well, that Messier. was my saving grace actually. Um, really good, isn't he? Captaining. Fernandez was actually my saving grace and actually uh, yeah. I think a few managers might be a bit annoyed if they have got Mane because obviously he had a goal ruled out in the dying yeah. seconds of the Merseyside derby I think a couple of months ago too so mm. it's not the yeah, first goal he's had ruled out of VAR but I think I think his price is going to drop a lot because I think if he's if he, they're not even going to start with him in Premier League games now and he seems to have had a little bit of a dip in form which mm. I mean you can never write him off because he's, no. he's a great player definitely but, by his standards, he certainly had a dip in form. I think people might start to get out of Mane, which means his price is going to crash. Mm. But then they have got Fulham away coming up soon. So, I mean, maybe it's too soon to do that. I don't know. Yeah, well, Fulham with a good win against Leicester, but I still think that they're going to be yeah. undone against some of the better sides. You did mention certainly. Watkins there for Aston Villa. Um, mm. If you've got Watkins in your team, what do you do next? Because yeah. Newcastle United's game against Aston Villa has been called off due to coronavirus cases in the Newcastle camp. So mm. if you're an FPL manager with some Villa players in your squad, like Jack Grealish, for example, or Watkins... I mean, what's the plan here, Matt? Are you holding on? Are you switching them out? Or possibly waiting for the inevitable double game week, which is going to come for that rearranged yeah, match? Yeah, well, that's, that's the good thing for Villa. They've got, and I think they're due two double game weeks because they didn't play the first game of the season, did they? Because uh, they mm. were playing one of the teams that were in European action. So they, But then we don't know when they're going to be. They could be a way off. So I wouldn't go saving them for the double game week. So we don't know when they're going to happen. Although, But it looks like the Villa-Newcastle game could be rearranged fairly soon because neither of them are in in Europe so um, n- neither of them involved in a European competition so it might be quite easy to rearrange that and tag it on to another game week um, but yeah I've got two Villa players um, Konza and Watkins both doing pretty well and I was looking forward to this uh, Newcastle game because I think it's quite a favourable fixture for them and then they've got Burnley at home then West Brom away so because of those fixtures on the horizons against two poor performing teams I want to keep both of them but if you've got three Villa players you know maybe it's worth getting rid of one of them but because of those fixtures on the horizon I say keep them if you can if you can put a decent team out for this game week I think it's worth keeping hold of them and to be fair I ain't got any Newcastle players, but looking at their <laughs> upcoming, looking at their upcoming fixtures, I had Callum Wilson early in the season, and he's still delivering on a fairly regular basis. They're, after this postponed game, they've got West Brom at home, and then Fulham at home uh, a week after that. So a couple of weeks after that, sorry. So they've got some easy fixtures coming up themselves. So I wouldn't even suggest getting rid of all of your Newcastle players if indeed you have any. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because we mentioned this on the podcast about a month or two ago that we might see some COVID cases starting to creep in before Mm. too long and we've finally seen our first game fall foul of the the disease this season, Newcastle against Villa. And we were saying whether it's worth keeping players in that you know are guaranteed to play every week just because of the situation with players dropping out left, right and centre. Do you still kind of feel that way? Yeah, I still feel that way. I, mean, I think in some ways it makes it easier to select your team because I, I had like Podence on the bench this week who scored and got mm. nine points, but I didn't. He wasn't, it wasn't even coming in because there was no subs. So in a way, having a couple of players out makes my decisions for me. It doesn't give me that classic managerial headache where 
where the whole squad's doing well. They've got a try, and it's hard work working out who you're going to start with. With two of my Villa players not playing, it means I can just put all my strength into the into that starting eleven. Which I mean, it seems madness, but it should hopefully do well. But it's like going back to the dark days of the restart, isn't it? Having games cancelled because of COVID. Oh, yeah. Well, they've got the vaccine now. Can we just get it rolled out? Can we not just get it shipped <laughs> up, shipped up to St James's Park? Give them all a quick jab before the game on Friday. Well, it sounds like they need it. Certainly. Best of luck to everyone uh, who's got Newcastle or Villa players in their squads for this weekend, and you mentioned the double game week as well Matt there's likely to be some rearranged City and United games too because of the European situation just so just keep an eye for the fixtures when they're scheduled because sometimes they slip under the radar don't they they announce the fixtures yeah I mean yeah it's often the website certainly won't update and I think the app on some phones has been been very slow in the past whereas they've gone to look at the fixtures and they still have the old fixtures on there and people have come a cropper because of that so you should really Mm. do your own research don't rely on the app or the FPL website You've got to keep... I mean, obviously, you're listening to this podcast. You're keeping abreast of all the latest football news anyway, so you should really know about this sort of thing. But, yeah, certainly worth keeping an eye out for those double game weeks because uh, my son is crying he hates double game weeks. (laughs) Whenever I talk about them, it sets him off. Uh, Maybe he's crying because West Ham are now fifth in the table. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Certainly Jim. That might be Jim in the background there crying away because he can't can't believe believe it. it, Hysterical. Um, With West Ham doing so well, I mean, some are even calling them the surprise package of this season, sort of akin to Sheffield Uh, United last time around. Is it worth crowbarring a few West Ham players into your side considering how well they've done? Well, I mean, you know, if you were to get rid of a, a Villa or Newcastle player, maybe just one of them, if you've got them in your team, it's certainly worth putting uh, putting some West Ham players in because it, it almost doesn't really matter who they're playing at the moment. They seem to be grinding out results against fairly decent teams. They've got Man United at home on Saturday, 5.30 in the evening, which on paper should be a hard game. But with this West Ham team playing the way they're playing, they're not going to be scared of Man United, certainly the form United are in at the moment. And then they've got Leeds away and Palace at home. I think it's. I'm going to keep hold of my um, my um, West Ham players. I've got Kufal and Susek, uh, both bargains as well. And the good thing about West Ham is they've got quite a few cheap players uh, that are worth uh, worth a shout. Uh, and with Fabianski in goal, they keep the they keep in fairly good clean sheets as well. So yeah, I was surprised at how well Moyes is doing, uh, but it's but it looks set to continue now. Antonio's back from his hamstring problems as well. He is always worth a shout for me. Six point two million. He has goals in him every time he plays. So there we go. Perhaps West Ham are the team to look at in this congested period that we've got coming up over Christmas. And Tottenham Hotspur, who are top of the Premier League table, still top after their draw at the weekend against Chelsea. Um, They'll be hoping that they can maintain their position at the top of the league. And after they kept a clean sheet against Chelsea, it's left some people to ask us whether their defenders are worth a bit of a look-in, considering they are top, as I say. And Alderweireld is now out injured for a bit, Matt. So could Joe Rodon, the signing from Swansea, be a possible replacement for him as like a cheap top six defender who's got a decent differential? Yeah, well, certainly would be a, a name that not all football fans are familiar with in the Premier League, uh, Joe Rodon. Um, I mean, I'm not even that much familiar with him myself, but he's, he's played a full 90 minutes against Chelsea and kept a clean sheet, so he's looking very good at the moment. The problem with Spurs for me, though, is that there's so much rotation in their defence. They've got they've got a bit of an embarrassment of riches in their defensive options because it's always you've got Aurier, Doherty, and Regulion, uh, Regulon, what's his name? Keep keep me 
Regulon, I can't remember his, <laughs> that's pronounced his name. Regulion, whatever his name is, I can never pronounce it. But uh, they always they seeming to be rotating. The, the one thing about Regulon, he was a regular uh, in the first team in Premier League games until recently, but he's got a bit of a knock himself. And I was always a big fan of Davis. He always did pretty well for me whenever he used to come in, but he's in and out of the squad, more out than in at the moment. So, yeah, possibly Rodon is a, is a good bet, but I'm not sure how long Alderweireld's out for. Um, I'm not sure it's worth going on a, a massive uh, road on gamble, but it is a good differential, as you say. You could stand out from the pack with him. I, I think it's a good tip. I'm going to add him to my watch list live on this podcast now, <laughs> going in there as one to watch. But I wouldn't purchase him just yet. That's what I'm saying. Just a word of caution. I mean, what are you going for in defenders nowadays? Is it defenders that can keep a clean sheet? Defenders that can score goals? I mean, it's difficult because particularly with Liverpool's fullbacks um, Mm. being injured, Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, he's been sat on my bench for ages because I'm planning to get him back in, but I don't know when he's coming back. So, you know, the reason I've got Trent in the side is not for the clean sheets. It's it's more for the attacking prospects. So it's hard sometimes to balance it out and figure out which avenue you're going down. Yeah, he's worth the money, isn't he? What him and Robertson, seven point two million these days, but well worth it because they give you the attacking options. Even Robertson's injury. We could talk about the injury crisis. He got a knock in the uh, Champions League the other night, didn't he? So Robertson is now doubtful. I don't think they can field a full back four the way things are going because, <laughs> like, even it, they're they're really running on empty in terms of fit defenders, aren't they? I mean, they, they, there's just no, there's hardly anyone left. Milner picked up a knock recently. And now Robertson's picked up a knock in Europe. Alexander Arnold's out for ages. Van Dijk's out for ages. Gomez out for ages. I just don't know. I mean, there's going to be a very young-looking defence, I suppose, from now. But I've just gone cheap defenders at the moment. I'm really, I'm finding the big expensive defenders either are injured, the ones at Liverpool, or the ones at Man City maybe haven't been delivering as much as they normally do. Um, the bigger, the bigger name, more expensive defenders. Certainly, the Man United defenders haven't been delivering as much as they normally do. So I've just been going on cheap ones that I know are going to start, and are bargains like Walker Peters, like Justin at, at Leicester. Although with Ricardo coming back, he may not be guaranteed first team action for much longer. Concer at Villa, Kufal. I've mm. got, I've gone all under five million. My whole defence, oh. and it's worked for me for most of November. It's worked for me. Not the last one, not the last game week, granted, but the most of November, it's gone pretty well. So I'm, I'm sticking with that at the moment. Invest in midfielders and strikers, and get cheap defenders that you know are going to start. Sounds good to me. I tell you what, this might be putting you on the spot here, so apologies if that okay. is the case. But with the Villa game against Newcastle being postponed or cancelled or whatever you want to say, does that mean that the deadline to submit your team has changed now that there's no Friday uh, yeah. night game or has it stayed I've the actually, same? Yeah, I've actually just heard that it has because uh, I keep abreast of all fantasy football information at 24-7. Uh, yeah, it was going to be Friday evening, wasn't it? It has now moved to Saturday the 5th of December at 11 o'clock. Ooh. That Friday night game is not on. So it gives you a little bit more time to tinker. There we go. Tinker Man. If you are a Tinker Man, you've got a few extra hours. It means you can have a beer on Friday night instead of yeah, setting you your relax. alarm. Instead <laughs> yeah. of stressing can... out and doing some admin. Yeah. <laughs> Get your feet up. Matt, it's been great to talk to you again. Um, the latest Game Week podcast out now? Uh, it is out now. So, yes, get it wherever you get your podcasts from. Great to chat to you, mate, and catch up Thanks, again soon. Lyle. Cheers, mate. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. the latest Premier League news for your team just ask Open Sport Social 
Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It's time for Floodlight Focus now, which is where we take a look at one of our 20 Premier League clubs. And today it's the turn of the baggies, West Bromwich Albion. And joining us to talk all about his side from West Brom Fan TV, we've got Connor. How are you going, Connor? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, all good. Thanks, mate. Um, I tell you what, it's been an interesting season so far for West Bromwich Albion. I mean, the, the thoughts at the start of the season were very much, we just need to stay up. It's not been the greatest of starts, but you're not right down there at the bottom like Sheffield United and Burnley are. So are you pleased so far with the start? You still feel comfortable that you can get the job done by the end of the season? Yeah, definitely. Um, I always have belief in my team. I always believe that we can uh, you know, achieve staying in the lead. You know, you say that we've had a poor start. We have. You know, we've lost to the likes of um, Fulham. Uh, you know, games what you want to get three points. But if you look at our performances against the sides like Tottenham and Manchester United, I think we we were very unlucky. Um, you know, the game against Sheffield United last week, it was probably our worst performance, and we managed to get three points. So it's just a really funny lead the Premier League is. But yeah, I do believe that we can get the job done. Yeah, I think as well with West Bromwich Albion, there's been a few concerns about. Slavin Bilic at least from the press about the kind of relationship he's got with the board particularly in the summer where there was a bit of a debacle over players leaving when Bilic didn't realise that players were going to leave does that concern you at all as a Baggies fan that maybe Bilic and the board aren't on level terms let's just say yeah it does definitely because he doesn't seem to have a very good relationship with the board like you say um He's, the, the owner has never actually been to a game. I think he's been to one game since he's took over. Um, he's been, he hasn't been very good. It, there's a lot. It's not just a disconnect from the owner and the manager. It seems to be a disconnect from the owner to the fans as well. Uh, when he first brought the club, he uh, he brought everyone a scarf and a point, and then that's all he's pretty much done. Um, it is concerning that the board as well um, apparently sold. Ahmed Aghazi, um behind mm-hmm. Bilic's back and I don't think that's the right idea to do. You, we've saw Bilic, he, he, he can get frustrated and walk away from from sides and stuff like that so you don't really want to be you know, going behind the manager's back. Also, I've seen reports as well recently, Connor, that there's been a few COVID cases in the West Brom backroom staff which might be concerning, particularly seeing as Villa against Newcastle United has been called off uh, on Friday night due to the fact that there's been coronavirus cases in the Newcastle side. Um, is that something that concerns you, that if West Brom do have a game called off for that reason, for example, you'll then have games in hand and that might add extra pressure? I'd just rather get the games done, to be honest with you. I don't really, like you say, games in hand are, are added pressure because you know what, before the before you've even played the game, you know what you need to do. And it, say like one of the teams below wins, you know that you've got to win then. Whereas if you both play at the same time, it's it, there's not really that added pressure there. You just go in and, and play the game, I believe, and try and get the three points on the board. I mean, we've discussed this on the podcast before in recent weeks, but the return of Hal robson Carnu feels like it could be an important moment for the Baggies, particularly because he's got the experience, you know, he's played in some big games in his career, for instance, in the Euros with Wales, and he's just come back from a broken leg. Are those sort of experienced heads, you think, a real extra bonus for West Brom with these sort of players coming back into the fold? Yeah, definitely. Not just for the the match day squad, but um, for training as well, you know, 
players who have got a lot of experience can be a big benefit to the younger players in training. You know, Hal Robson kind of has done quite a lot, to be honest. Like you say, he's been at the Euros. Uh, he scored quite a few goals for us last season. And I believe that last season was the first time that Robson Carney had actually made it into double figures for a season. Um, but, you know, he works really hard. He, he holds the ball up well. Um, he's not the best finisher in the world. And I do believe that, you know, the championship is his level. But like you say... Sometimes experience is invaluable and it can definitely help the other players. A lot of people say to stay up in the Premier League, there needs to be three worse teams than you in the division. Um, it's probably a bit early to tell too much, but do you think that there are three sort of worse teams than West Brom and that the Baggies have got enough to stay up? You've already said that you're back in your team. But in terms of the quality, do you think it's there to, to kind of get you on a winning run? Because we've seen it before from West Brom in the Premier League where they've done great escapes in the past. Yeah, and not only that, the last time he was in there for eight years, people seem to forget that um, we actually stayed in the league for quite a long time. I'm really hoping that we can stay up. I believe we can stay up. I do think there is a couple of worse teams in the league. I think Burnley are probably one of them at the minute. Um, but And probably Sheffield United as well at the minute, to be honest with you. But it's going to be a close one. Um, it's going to be hard to stay in the lead, but I definitely believe that we can do it. Derby days against Wolves. You must have missed them over the last couple of seasons, although Wolves seem to have been on a decent trajectory and obviously West Brom slightly behind. Those are the sort of games that you look forward to at the start of the season, don't you? I mean, obviously with fans potentially being back soon, I know the, the sort of West Mids area um, could possibly be in Tier 3 and part of it possibly in Tier 2. So even if we do see some fans back at that derby when it takes place, it'd be good to see. Fans are a massive part and a crucial part of the game. Um, you know, it, it's motivation for the players. It's nice to, um, you know, see the fans cheering you along. It's nice to have a good atmosphere. And I do believe that when we do go back to being in football grounds, I believe that the atmosphere will be brilliant. I think it will be better than ever due to the fact that we haven't been in a football ground for so long. Well, yeah, like you say, the games against Wolves are the games that you want to win. You know, at the start of the season, when you look at the fixture list, it's the one game what you really, really looking forward to. And purely because, like you say, Wolves have been doing brilliantly in the past seasons. But I think West Brom always do better against, you know, the teams what are, are really good and they seem to struggle against the teams who, mm. on paper, you should win against. That's just the West Brom way. <laughs> well the West Brom way is to leave it late but to stay up I wish you all the best for the rest of the season as a West Brom fan Connor where can people find more from you at West Brom Fan TV if they're a baggy listening in and they want to check you out uh, just on on YouTube on my YouTube channel just type in West Brom Fan TV or come up um, on Twitter Albion Fan TV all in capitals come up there as well and we've also got an Instagram account which is WBA.TV so if you want to stay up to date with all the latest West Brom news, transfers, match previews, match day vlogs when they return, then that's the place you want to subscribe to. Sounds good to me, Connor. Thanks very much. That's Floodlight Focus done for another day. And if you're a supporter of one of the 20 Premier League clubs and you know someone, or perhaps you are someone who's a blogger, YouTuber, podcaster, whatever it may be, and you're a big fan of your club and you want to come on and discuss your side on Floodlight Focus, you can do so. All you need to do is slide into our DMs on social media. It's at the Sports Social on Twitter. Just search Sports Social on Facebook or find us on Instagram. We are at Sports Social Official. And with that comes the end of another episode of Football Social. 
social daily but don't fret because there'll be another one tomorrow because we are the only daily Premier League podcast you can find with a new episode every single day of the season including plenty of treats over the Christmas period including our very own Jim Salverson's new sports social podcast series Football Stories where he speaks to a host of names in great detail about their lives in the game some fascinating stories so go and check it out wherever you get your podcasts it's called Football Stories interviews with the likes of former Premier League referees coaches players you name it there'll be something for you there so go and check it out it's called Football Stories with Jim Salverson I've been Niall McCorn that's been it for today's show my thanks to Matt Dyson thanks to West Brom Fan TV thanks to JP and to Callum as well and thanks to you for listening in we'll speak to you again tomorrow Football Social Daily from Sports Social find us on Instagram at Sports Social Official Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.